Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, this is Pia Baranchini, and welcome to Everything is the Best, the podcast where I get vulnerable and make others do it with me. The goal here is to deep dive into interesting people's journeys, finding common denominators, and hopefully making you feel not so alone. So let's laugh, let's cry, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Hello, my darlings. Nicola Kilner is the co-founder and CEO of Desiem, the umbrella of many major skincare brands, including the game-changing The Ordinary. In 2018, the company made global headlines when its founder, Brandon, made a barrage of erratic social media posts while suffering from mental health issues that led to alcohol, drugs, and ultimately his untimely death. The empire they had built quickly came crashing down. Nicola knew Brandon was a genius and was determined to continue on with his core mission and rebuild. And rebuild, she certainly did. This episode is one of my favorites. First of all, her voice is just incredibly soothing. You can tell what a nurturing, kind woman she is. But we discuss the personal toll of experiencing not only someone you love, but your business partner struggled with mental health so publicly. What she did to rally her employees, why they won't ever pay influencers, the importance of branding, the vast scale of her responsibilities, and how she does it all while having two daughters. Enjoy. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on this podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I know that we've gone back and forth for a while. <laughs> so thank and then there's a time difference. So I'm so thankful. So, okay, let's get right into it. Like, where did you grow up? I mean, everything almost like leading up to your position. I would love to know your background. Sure. So I grew up in Sheffield, which is a city... Um, towards the north of England. I grew up with mum, dad and my elder sister and really sadly lost my father when I was 20 years old. Mm. Um, But I think, you know, it's probably drove me on more than ever because, you know, I I almost took on the role of wanting to be able to look after my mum and uh, she's my best friend through and through. So we are Mm -hmm. uh, super close. And I went to university in Nottingham, which is about an hour away from where I grew up. And whilst I was at university, which I went to study business management, um, I was sponsored by Boots through the program. So for my Mm. uh, 
two of the years whilst I was studying, we had different roles within Boots and kind of different mentorship by their directors um, and had a chance to just see different areas of uh, the business and just a great education to kind of learn from and be corporate. So then after I graduated, I stayed at Boots for a further three years. Um, And I think, you know, to some extent, that was the real education and I would recommend to anyone, I think, you know, working for a corporate in your early years, you learn so many invaluable lessons. You learn what they do really well. You learn some of the challenges that I think all big organizations face. And, and, you know, and I think ultimately it kind of helps present opportunities and helps you to kind of identify what you may want to do um, further in life. And I, you know, growing up, I was always obsessed watching, uh, you know, Dragon's Den, which is our version of, uh, I think you call it Sharks, Sharks Tank, is that right? <laughs> yes. um, and, you know, reading entrepreneurs books and it always just kind of interested me and, and excited me. So then whilst I was working as a buyer at Boots, I met Brendan who had set up mm-hmm. Indeed Labs. Uh, so I was a buyer and we launched Nanoblur, we launched a couple of the Indeed Labs products and we had a great working relationship. And then I remember one day just getting this this message from him saying, you know, he left Indeed Labs and, and it was a shock, you know, they were doing exceptionally well. I didn't see it coming. So we stayed in touch over the next few months and then, you know, he started saying, look, Nicola, I want to do this thing called Desiem. I want to build 10 things at once and <laughs> I want to kind of change things in the beauty industry. Um, and, you know, when someone just says things that just excite you so much. Mm-hmm. And I mean, from the moment I met Brandon, he was just such a inspirational character and someone with just such super high energy and so passionate, so kind, but also like a genius, just they almost seem like they're not human just because of the mm-hmm. way that their mind, you know, the the speed at which their, their mind works and, and kind of the way that they think about things. So I knew I just wanted to do something with him, whatever it would be. So I um, left Boots, that was back in 2013, and we started Decium. And Decium comes from the Latin word for the number 10. And it was really all about building 10 brands at once. Which is so crazy. (laughs) Well, it is a good job we didn't stop at 10 because The Ordinary was our 11th brand to launch. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) So it was a a good job we kept going. So how were you literally like logistically, if you're launching 10 brands, how, who was working on like the branding for each of these? And were you picking a different customer for each of these 10 brands? So they didn't all launch together. So I think within the first year, we launched three brands. And, you know, the idea was we would just kind of keep working on interesting concepts. Um, and, you know, clearly some worked, some didn't work. We've got yeah. some brands that don't exist in the portfolio today. But the idea behind doing 10 brands at once was that we could do more for each brand by being part of this, um, by having this umbrella because we always used to say that having, you know, for a brand to have its own manufacturing, its own comms team, its own design team, its own lab team, it's so expensive to have all of those resources. Got it. But actually, if we have 10 brands, then each brand effectively would just have to contribute 10% of that person's salary of that yes. person's time. You know, one of the other reasons behind it was to kind of really keep this creativity and energy mm-hmm. and make sure people don't get bored um, because we are very fortunate that we have such a 
incredible creative team. But I think if they were only ever working on one brand, it would mm-hmm. be hard to sometimes keep that momentum. Whereas, you know, people can be working on a different brand every day of the week. So it, it just allows mm-hmm. everyone to kind of stay energized. And also I think it allows us to kind of stay true to innovation because, you know, ultimately whatever we come across or whatever the team develop, we normally have somewhere in the portfolio that it can fit into. Mm -hmm. And so we can really just focus on making the best products as opposed to, you know, I think for many brands, they may have to start with, well, what's the price point? And, you know, what are all these different... Who's the customer? That's great, but our customer's not going to like that. Totally. And, And when you do it that way, you know, you're already stifling innovation rather than saying, look, let's just look at ingredients let's just kind of focus on formulation and when we get a product we'll figure out actually who is most likely to like this and actually therefore which brand should it go into that's so cool I mean I really understand that because then you're getting more of an objective view of each brand as well especially as a designer and as a creative I feel like working in an office that would be so much more exciting for me instead of being like oh another day working on (laughs) this (laughs) definitely and And, you know, the other reason for doing our own manufacturing is because I think, again, probably a big challenge for many startup brands is is stock because you either, you know, Mm -hmm. if you work with a third party manufacturer, you're having to forecast what you think a product line is going to do. You might think, well, this is going to be the the hero skew, you know, let's order 50,000 units. And then actually no one likes it. You've got it completely (laughs) wrong, which can, can often happen. But then you're sitting on all of this stock, which you then have to sell through because you've already paid for this stock. Mm -hmm. So then you're pushing a product that actually people might not really like and, you know, Mm -hmm. some, some part of the, it's not, is not what it needs to be. And then the other side of that is you have the product, which you thought nobody would like that becomes that kind of rock star overnight. And suddenly you, you have no stock in the third party manufacturer you're working with says, well, I'll leave time six months because we Mm -hmm. have other contracts. So again, by having everything in house, it really just allowed us to, I think really just follow where the demand was, listen to the consumer. We would do super small runs. We would see the feedback almost as we go. And if you look at some of the first brands and products that we launched at DCM, you know, the packaging's changed 10 times because actually we've had feedback, we've listened, we've kind of altered it. And it's sometimes hard where we are today, where actually, you know, especially if we launch a product under the ordinary, we know the quantities are going to be so much bigger than you know when we started mm-hmm. in 2013. So you have to kind of take a different approach now because we know we can't just do kind of the small run and have that original core audience kind of give that real feedback. I don't know about you, but I am dying to get back into the gym. It's been so long. I'm starting to miss the little things. Like, do you know what I would give to wipe someone else's sweat off a machine? Or to hear my trainer shout at me to get another rep in? Well, vaccination is the most effective way to prevent COVID-19 and get back to the good times. Find COVID-19 vaccine locations near you at vaccines.gov. That's V-A-C-C-I-N-E-S dot gov. What interferes with your happiness? Is there something preventing you from achieving your goals? I know when my brain gets overwhelmed with lots of thoughts, I need to get them out. That's where our sponsor comes in. BetterHelp will help you assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. 
You can start communicating with someone in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line. It's not a self-help line. It is professional counseling done securely online. Send a message to your counselor at any time and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule a weekly video or phone session, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free for you to change counselors if needed. And you're not driving all over town right? You can just do this from the comfort of your home. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is also available. The service is available for clients worldwide. Find the particular expertise you need online and don't limit yourself to counselors located near you. Licensed professional counselors are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. Anything you share is confidential, it's convenient, it's professional, it's affordable, and you can always go check out the testimonials posted daily on their website if you don't believe me. In fact, so many people have been getting help using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I really want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash Pia. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Pia. And how many brands are there now? So we have six brands at the moment. Great. Um, but we still have some more brands um, under development as well. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'd like to talk about... and. You know, you've spoken about this a million times, but it's obviously a big part of your story, um, your partnership with Brandon. And, you know, there was incidents of him using the company account to make, to get into arguments. You know, it was a very public facing mm-hmm. issues that were happening. So I can't imagine what it would be like to be so, you know, in love with your business partner, truly, because mm-hmm. it seems like you guys were just so close. And then to have personal issues come into the middle of the business, like what was that like for you emotionally and professionally to try to navigate through? It's incredibly hard. And I think, you know, the the topic around mental health, I think mm-hmm. still has so much taboo around it. And I think it's still hard, you know, even as someone who, who since everything has happened has spent a long time researching and learning, I still struggle to get my, my head around it at times. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the best example someone gave to me said that, you know, you may be having a a conversation in English with that person, but actually one of you may as well be speaking Russian because you're just talking a different language. The words might be the same, but you, there's, there's kind of no no understanding between it. And I think that took a long time. Well, I only actually kind of had that conversation after, after Brandon had passed away. And I wish I'd maybe kind of knew that earlier because I think that was one of the hardest things to be in those situations and having a dialogue and trying to kind of figure out, you know, what, what's happening here? Like which bits are true? What's kind of, Oh, yeah. Like it's just such a hard situation, I think, to, to digest. And then, 
you know, there were just so many different layers because as you said, there's just this incredible friendship that, and you know, it wasn't just myself and Brendan that were close. Like any startup, you have Mm. a whole founding team where you've had the sleepless nights, you've traveled around, you know, you've had highs, you've had lows. It's like no working relationship in kind of a normal world. It's just a very intense thing to happen. So you have everyone who's kind of suddenly got this concern. Um, You then have people who have a fear because, you know, people have livelihoods at stake. Mm -hmm. And everyone's just trying to kind of find the right way to protect Brandon, protect Desiem, protect each other. And again, you know, it's an, I think it's a, a field that there is still, there are still no answers. And what I find really difficult is even if we went back, we don't know what we would do differently. You know, yeah. People kept telling us, you have to wait until they reach rock bottom. You know, you have to wait until they realize that things need to change. And that never happened for us. You know, we, many different things happened, you know, as public as a lot of it was, there was also so much happening behind the scenes. But ultimately we had the worst ending you could imagine. It ended in, in the passing of Brandon. And I think, you know, there's still much that we, we try and digest, but it, it, it makes me proud that we still have so many of the team at Desium who worked very closely with Brandon. And he really, you just, you feel him like when you walk into our offices in, in Liberty Village in Toronto, you know, he, he picked the location, he picked the office, mm. you know, he never got to see it in its final uh, light, but the design team just did the most incredible job, I think, of bringing his creativity to life. And um, so we still kind of feel him in everything we're doing, which is, is very special. I can't imagine going through that emotionally and then everyone's looking at you, right? Mm-hmm. Because like you're the next in line as a leader. So what was it like for you and your mental health, you know, to kind of, I'm sure you had to like push down a lot of what you were going through emotionally to protect the team. I mean, what was that like for you? I think, you know, I was fortunate that there was a very good support network, I think, between many of us. And I guess, you know, because things played out so publicly, mm-hmm. the the benefit, if anything, to that was that actually people knew the situation. And I think, you know, there was a lot of compassion shown from many people, people we mm. were working with kind of outside. And, um, you know, we had the opposite as well. But generally, on the whole, I definitely felt the compassion um, and, you know, during that period, I was pregnant with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think actually, uh, well, you, you know the feeling yourself, but, you know, you definitely have some kind of additional inner strength, I think, when you know that there's a, you know, another heart beating inside you and there's mm-hmm. someone else that you also have to kind of be strong for. And um, But yeah, it was certainly a very tough time. And so after his passing... There was also a lot of, I mean, the company was a little bit in, I mean, far from where it is now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, I mean, then you were a new mom and having to assume this giant role of bringing this company back. I mean, weren't you guys like close to bankruptcy at that point? Uh, No, we weren't close to bankruptcy, but we were definitely, um, I guess, behind on infrastructure Mm. because, um, you know, 
since we launched the ordinary at the end of 2016, the growth is, well, the demand has just been, it blows me away just how it's coming. I mean, you make like the world's best $15 hyaluronic. (laughs) It's like insane. It just honestly, it spirals everywhere. So I think, you know, the challenge we faced was that the the demand had grown significantly, Mm -hmm. but behind the scenes, the infrastructure hadn't grown at the same rate. And I think, you know, even had things been, different you know we if we hadn't been going through what we were going I think any startup always struggles to catch up but we then just had this additional where we'd almost kind of had a year where things were um in somewhat of a difficult difficult space but you know we brought in um Stephen Kaplan our COO um who joined us in 2017 actually Brandon did hire him uh, but actually he just made a phenomenal difference in terms of just building this amazing infrastructure, helping mm-hmm. us to upscale our manufacturing and helping us to kind of really build out the team. And um, we're incredibly lucky to have, you know, ELC is one of our, um, obviously, minority shareholders at the time. Uh, but, you know, they were always at the end of the phone if we had any questions to ask them. And um, because again, you know, the the journey of Decium, you have the startup years where it's, it's really about creativity, about coming up with new ideas, innovation, new products. And you know, Brandon always used to say you have to get a thousand people to love you before a million people like you. <laughs> but then when the million people start to like you, you really have to kind of get <laughs> you have your, to figure out how to scale. You have to, get, <laughs> you have to get stuff working and you know, you have to actually figure figure things out and start to be a bit of a um more of a not grown up company, but we certainly I guess went from the, the toddler stage, I think, into into childhood. And so yeah, we had lots of support around us. But I think, you know, a lot of the focus had to go in firstly into the team and, and making sure actually they were happy because it had had such a huge impact on people. Of course. Uh, but then really just kind of trying to build the infrastructure behind the business. And did you take I mean, I read somewhere that you did not, but did you take any maternity leave? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, everyone's been very kind and it's been very flexible working. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things like Decium's my baby. I love it. I think about it every minute of the day, just as much as my, my own children. So, and I think, you know, the, the good thing about technology these days is that everything kind of, of course. you can, and, you know, also, I guess, having a global team, there's always someone working somewhere around. So you can always <laughs> pick your hours because, you know, um, at the moment I'm in, in the UK. And so, you know, normally my mornings here are quite quiet. So I can kind of focus a little bit more on uh, being a mum. But then my afternoons or maybe my evenings, once the, the babies have gone to bed, you know, seven o'clock is only 2 p.m. in Toronto. So I can mm-hmm. kind of have some meetings there. So because I had my second baby in October, so in the middle of the pandemic. And um, so actually, you know, even just probably you have not been able to have a calm pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. That's yeah, both times I got pregnant, it, yeah, not didn't envision the in a bit of a shitstorm both times. <laughs> Indeed, but then you know, very fortunate I think to, uh, you know, ultimately we have such a strong team. Um, so yeah, everyone's always been very supportive. So yeah, no official maternity leave, but I, I definitely find the the right mix of being a mum and uh, Desium at the same time. We all know at this point that feeling your best starts with what you eat. Sakara gives you the ability to not just eat healthy, but truly enjoy it with chef-crafted plant-rich meals that build a foundation for radiant health. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. 
you follow me on Instagram, you know I am one of their biggest fans. Their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients and are designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. The menu of chef-crafted, ready-to-eat breakfasts, lunches, and dinners changes weekly, so you will never get bored. And it's delivered fresh to your door anywhere in the U.S., I know that sounds crazy, but literally a human being will deliver fresh, (laughs) new, delicious food, fresh to your doorstep. Along with delicious plant-rich meals, Sakara also offers daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. Again, if you follow me on Instagram, you have seen my favorite, the best-selling metabolism super powder, which I love to put in my smoothies or coffee. It is made with organic raw cacao, and it works to boost energy, eliminate bloating, which it really does, minimize sugar cravings, and reduce fatigue. Scara has received rave reviews from Vogue, Goop, The New York Times, and more, but I really don't know who else you need an opinion from. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order. So go to sakara.com slash best or just enter code best at checkout. That's sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash B-E-S-T to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash best. You've probably thought about the next step in your career and your relationship, but what about planning for kids? We women are having children much later in life, but biology hasn't changed and we need the tools to help us understand our reproductive timelines. And this is not me trying to trigger you at all. This is me saying, hey, here's modern fertility. This is why it was created. Do this test at home because it's most likely that your doctor will not give you these tests and you want to prepare for your future and not have any regrets, right? So modern fertility is really the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with your doctor, which by the way, not a lot of them even like to do it. It costs over a thousand dollars, but modern fertility gets you the same information for 159, a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash Pia, you can get $20 off that test. Also, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can put those dollars towards modern fertility. This way you will have insight into your hormone levels, how many eggs you have and other important fertility factors. And if I were you, and if you're under 25, definitely do this. Do this as young as possible. That way you can prepare for your future the same way you would prepare for, I don't know, a marathon or a job interview. And it is a little bit of a bigger deal, right? These results go really deep into what every hormone means, which is super helpful. And you can talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, clinically sound information about your own body can just help you make the right decision for you. So right now, go to modernfertility.com slash Pia, and our listeners will get $20 off the test. That means your test will cost you $139 instead of the several hundred or even thousands plus dollars it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash Pia. That's modernfertility.com slash Pia. Do you also find to, and I hate to say this because me five years ago would have ju- would have been judgy, Do you find that you want to work like 
I was saying to my husband yesterday, it's going to be very odd going from being such a work-driven woman to then being so focused on my child who I, I'm sure I will love and die for. And, but I'm sure there will be moments of the day where I'm like, I really need, I really want to get back. I want an hour where I feel like my old self again. And I think that's why trying to get that balance is perfect because I think, and you know, and I, I do think the whole world is changing, but I think I would have struggled, you know, to have done a full six months maternity being everything mum and then back to kind of full-time Absolutely. work. Whereas actually just kind of throughout, I've kind of done a little bit of both. And, you know, the, the, the kind of early weeks is difficult because you're not getting the sleep you need. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, I mean, depending how you're, what you're planning, but I mean like, well, I'm still nursing my, my son now, but you know, it gives you a chance to actually sit down for 20 minutes on your phone, <laughs> kind of even read a couple of emails. Um, so yeah. If they, if they get good naps, uh, you see my daughter who's just turned two, she's just giving up her lunch nap now. And uh, I mean, she, a couple of months ago, was sleeping for two hours in the middle of the day. Now she mm. doesn't want it. And I'm like, ah, I need, I need that <laughs> two hours to get things done. But you know, you, you find a way to just kind of make it work. And I think, you know, it's nice to be passionate about both. And I think hopefully you'll, yeah, you'll find the balance that's right for you. So you have all these brands and then... And then the ordinary (laughs) pops up. How long did it take for you to realize that the ordinary was not ordinary at all? Actually, (laughs) that this was a very extraordinary brand. (laughs) I think within about a day. Um, But you see, when we launched the ordinary, we had never... And what was was the initial concept behind it? Pardon me for interrupting, but just for context, like what, from an internal standpoint, like what was that brand supposed to be? So we, we only launched it to make a marketing point. We never planned for it to really be a kind of com- <laughs> commercial driven brand. So we have Neod, which is our, you know, um, mm-hmm. skincare, we call it skincare for the hyper-educated, but really looks at the future of skin innovation, all about skin health. And we would get frustrated when we would see one of our Neod products next to, um, you know, another product, which was a good skincare product, but it was overpriced for an ingredient that had been around for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, one of the, I think the the biggest myths that we had to get over was actually price point doesn't define efficacy. Mm-hmm. And I always find probably the best way to explain is, you know, if you have a headache and you want to go and buy some aspirin, you go into the pharmacy and aspirin's, I don't know, $5, but you know, it works, you know, it's safe, it's effective. It's been trusted for decades you know, you know, you can take aspirin. It's going to help your your headache. You know, if you walked into the pharmacy and you saw a product for a hundred dollars, that was like the you know, of aspirin. <laughs> yeah, you would just be like, I don't need it. I just need the ingredient that's really mm-hmm. going to work. That's a great analogy. So, so that's what the ordinary is. You know, this is ingredients where they're low priced because they have been around for a long time, and that means there are many people all around the world now manufacturing these ingredients. Even things like testing doesn't cost much because just like aspirin, the whole world has agreed Mm -hmm. this ingredient in this dose does this effect. And so actually it's just, that's great. That's kind of where it came from, but we, we never realized the appetite would actually be there for people to actually buy the products. But I think it was within days. I think the the kind of initial run had sold out and, um, and I think we've been fully in stock ever since. Um, so yeah, it's just been a whirlwind of a journey. Where did you initially launch it? 
Was it online you, on here or in store? Yeah, online actually in the UK first, which was just before, yeah, the end of 2016. When it started floating around here, you know, when it would like pop up as on, you know, random beauty websites, there's like, oh, here's like three options for the best hyaluronic. And then it was like, you know, Barbara Sturm. And then it was like the ordinary. And I was like, there's a huge price difference there. (laughs) (laughs) And I ended up getting a bunch of it. And then I gave a, a care package actually to my mom, my bridesmaid and all my sister. I have three sister-in-laws for their, for my wedding of like a few months before, because a lot of them were like, I don't really know what to use. And they were always kind of asking me. And I was like, I gave them each like four different products from the ordinary. It was like, if you just use this consistently every day, your skin will be great. And I knew that I wasn't going to, they weren't going to hate the smell or it wasn't going to have any like adverse side effects or anything because they were such straightforward clean, clear products. It's it's a brilliant brand. It's really great. And it's nice to see something that's, again, $15 when everything is so expensive. How do you guys, because I, I, from what I've read a little bit, there was a lot of, maybe I think it was like Brandon who said like, we don't want to pay influencers like exorbitant amount of money to promote our products, which I think is great. So how have you been able to, saturate the market so intensely with your own practices and kind of what are those? So I think the challenge with skincare is people are always skeptical that skincare is going to work. People first think it won't do anything before they actually think it, it, it may do something. And you know, it's very different to color, which is more of an emotional purchase where, you know, you can see a Hollywood actress, you can see the color, you can kind of see the instant um, result. Mm. So I think with skincare, you know, we knew it would take longer to kind of build the trust. And again, I think the ordinary was probably helped by the fact people already, well, certainly kind of some some journalists, et cetera, people had already knew of Desiem, they knew about Neod, they knew about Hylamide, they knew about our approach to kind mm-hmm. of science. So I think we almost had um, a very kind of core audience of evangelists who, who kind of wanted to share their story. And you see, I think the other thing that The Ordinary did was actually allow the conversation to take place. Because I think, you know, if you go a few years back, there's probably a handful of ingredients like hyaluronic and retinol and vitamin C um, that, you know, most people who are kind of into skincare and beauty would, would know those ingredients. But actually, most products were labeled more, I don't know, like miracle serum or kind of, you know, some. Yeah. wonder type and who knows day. what's in it and and therefore it's hard to have a conversation because I mean how much further does the conversation go other than I use x mm-hmm. whereas I think with the ordinary it allowed people to say well you know I use this as my acid I use this vitamin c in this form mm-hmm. at this percentage and actually start to take that interest and again you know even over the last kind of eight years of decium just I think you know the the amount of rich content that is out there now online that people can actually take the time to kind of really learn. Um, but, you know, we were very fortunate as well that um, some of the kind of early adopters of The Ordinary set up a Facebook group called The Ordinary Chat Room, uh, which has got like over 100,000 members now. And this is people just sharing routines, answering questions for each other. And again, it's you know fully independent. It's kind of um, just run by each other. So I think we've been very fortunate to have, and I think also, you know, we will, 
we all say not every product works for everyone. And I, mm-hmm. again, I think the probably advantage for the ordering is people can identify, you know, maybe my skin doesn't agree with vitamin C. They can actually see which ingredient does work or doesn't work for mm-hmm. them because actually they're pinpointing it within their routine as again, as opposed to kind of having a generic anti-aging serum where they actually don't know what's really in there. Did a beauty clean out yesterday. I'm obviously nesting. <laughs> and so, and you know, I've been getting all this stuff and I put it in one big drawer and then every, every month we go through it and I have some, a girl who helps me and she always, it's so funny because she, she knows to pull things out and kind of, and she'll Google what it does. And and then it was like all the ordinary products were in there. And she was like, oh, here's your vitamin C. Here's your hyaluronic. Here's your rosehip oil. Here's the, like, it was so, and I was like, oh, I had oh, the moment yesterday where I was like, oh, that's what they did. <laughs> like, yeah. I see what they did there. <laughs> and it is true. I do think when somebody, you know, when, when you find things that work for you and you know what it is and you know the percentage, you feel like you have this like autonomy over your skin. Like you've like found something that you can share with other women, which I think when you find something that works and you can share it, you're like, oh yeah, I know that like this vitamin C at this percentage works for me. It's just such an empowering feeling for, for a human being, I think, you know, to really own that, which is such a cool part of what the ordinary does. Yeah. So how many employees does DCM have at the moment? So we have twelve hundred employees now. Unbelievable! I mean, that's between the UK and Toronto. Yeah, that's globally. So I mean, we have offices in Australia, South oh, Korea, wow. US, Canada, UK. Um, and I mean, all across Europe, France, Germany, the Netherlands. We yeah have a, a team everywhere now. How does that work for <laughs> meetings? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually on one at midnight last night uh, with our Asia and Australia team. So that's what I was saying about, you know, the flexibility of being a mum for me at Destiem. It's everything is kind of at some point 24-7. So if I need to take my daughter to ballet class or whatever it is, and I, I kind of take the time because I know there'll be a call sometime at 2 a.m. with some kind of country that I need to do. Of course. And um, it's so also what I have noticed is that it seems like you have an extraordinarily happy <laughs> company. Everyone seems to just be the most lovely and you are too. And that clearly comes from the top. But I would love to know if there's any, you know, like personal principles or standards that you kind of follow or that you knew were going to be important to build, building a happy team. No, I'm a huge believer in, in just kindness and being good. And I think, you know, I, I think those words are being used a lot now and you only really get a sense. I think it's, it's easy to say them and it's much harder to kind of walk them. And actually I have to say as well, you know, we, we're doing very well from a business perspective. So I have to say, actually, my job as CEO, and I kind of say to everyone, I want us to be kind. I want us to be good. No one pushes back because it's easy to do those things when you're doing well. And um, mm-hmm. so you know, I definitely kind of feel fortunate. I think that those things, uh, you know, they would always be our principles anyway, but I think it probably allows us to kind of take some of those extra steps, which I think has been good, especially during the, the pandemic when times have been really tough. But I think, you know, a lot of this was around because 2018 was such a difficult year and so many of our team really stuck stuck by what was going on that we kind of owed it to everyone to kind of 
make Desium a really kind place to be again because mm-hmm. you know Brandon was a very kind person and you know he had a very difficult year but you could always still feel that love from him and you know he always wanted to build Desium to be the family for him it was kind of around more than just just a workplace and you know it's probably one of the again the harder transitions from when you're going from a startup to kind of suddenly becoming a company with over a thousand employees you know you some sometimes you suddenly don't know everyone's first name and that's a very difficult place to be when you know just a few years ago you knew everyone's partner's name everyone's child's yep. name everyone's mum's name and, and kind of so on but I think we definitely see it and you know even in kind of I don't know studies and different things that are end up kind of being emailed over you see it time and time again that actually people want to know people aren't just buying products anymore they also want to know that actually Mm -hmm. the company is a good company they're treating the planet well they're treating the people well and so I think there there are so many more factors and I actually think it's a a good opportunity for for businesses and people because I think for so long so much has just been on the shoulders of governments and politicians to make a change mm-hmm. to make the world better but I think actually when consumers choose where their products come from with some of those values in mind I actually think that's going to help us hopefully fast track making the world a better place uh, than just kind of buying products in, in kind of tandem and then uh, hoping that we can rely <laughs> on the, the governments to do what's needed. I love that. That's totally true. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. You are just such a ray of sunshine and it is so nice to see. I think also, and it's so often um, women in your position come along with this like very strong, intimidating essence about them. And you have such a light, beautiful, airy, loving feel about you. So it's very refreshing. Thank you. That is very kind. (laughs) Thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Will do. Thank you, Pia. You too. Bye. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao.